Hi everyone, welcome to How Can I Heal podcast with Krina Okumus. This is an interview series with people that I admire and really made a change in my life. We are exploring questions about life, dreams, how can I be more happy and healthy and learn how can we deal with pressure or challenges in the private or professional life. I really hope you take a nuggets of wisdom or two and you are improving your own life for the better. I'm super happy to let you know that on today's podcast, I'm speaking with a physical therapist, Dr. Heather McGill. Heather's goal is to empower humans of all ages and abilities to optimize their athletic performance, enhancing their daily movement health and pushing its athletic boundaries. Like this, you can build durable athletes at all level of competition. On today's episode, we are learning together from Heather three ways to build healthy habits that can change your life. On a single fixed task that, you know, the average amount of time that an individual can stay focused is around 20 to 25 minutes. And there's been some philosophies that have developed around that and that, you, you know, take, um, take breaks occasionally so that because you're you're only able to keep that sustained focus for a period of time anyways and I like the twice an hour idea of you know if you're having a meeting a zoom call or a meeting or you're working on a fixed task for 20 to 25 minutes and then you take maybe a five minute just movement break and then you go back into your task and now let's get to my conversation with Dr. Heather McGill Welcome, Heather. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So, Heather, my first question is actually related with the, with the snacks. I know that we have to speak about some other topics, but I'm very curious. What is your favorite snack and how many times per day are you snacking? My favorite snack? Ooh, I think I really, you know, at work. I would say it's vegetables and hummus. Um, I mean, I like other snacks that are sweet, but I'm, we're not going to talk about those. Um, and I would say usually I take a, a small break in between patients mid-morning to late morning, and I'll have some carrots or green beans or mushrooms with hummus. And it's just a little boost. It gives me some more energy and helps me stay alert and ready for the day. Oh, that's such a cool tip. Actually, I was not thinking of that. Thank you so much. I will definitely try it for the next week. So take us back to the beginning. How did you get to where you are today? Shortly, if it's possible. Yes, of course. Um, so I actually originally, when I was in high school, thought that I wanted to be a pediatrician. Uh, and then I got to UCLA and I was having too much fun to focus on science. So I had to reevaluate and think, what? is going to drive me and what's going to motivate me. And I was at a bit of a loss when I was in college. So I thought, all right, I'll be practical. And I studied business and Spanish. Um, fast forward a couple of years, I worked in the public relations and marketing industry in Beverly Hills. And um, I did that for three years and thought to myself, this is not going to be the right fit for me long term. Uh, I want to be in an A in an industry and be able to have physical impact on people on a one-to-one -one basis. 
And I want to be challenged with myself and my mind. And I want to be able to continue to evolve and hopefully use those foundational skills that I gained at UCLA for something um, that will have purpose and um, help people. So I kind of had a quarter century crisis is what my dad called it. And I moved from Los Angeles to San Francisco, not really knowing what I wanted to do and thought, okay, I need to do a deep dive and do some soul searching. And in a period of six months, I hurt my knee running the Chicago marathon. I fell snowboarding and broke my wrist. And my grandfather got really sick from a staph infection and was hospitalized down at UCLA Medical Center. And it was those three things that exposed me in a very um, just quick and robust level to physical therapy in a lot of different ways, both lower body um, from, you know, a repetitive strain injury from training for a marathon to a quick fracture. Everything changes in the split second when I was snowboarding and then watching my grandfather get sick from a systemic um, infection that then caused him to lose all of his strength. And it was those three things that kind of were the big aha moment for me of this actually might be the perfect industry for me. I can have autonomy. I can build my own philosophy. I can utilize a lot of different specialists and have great camaraderie within the industry and I can help people. And that's where the journey began. And I, what, one of the things that I really admire of you is that you are really taking your job um, so serious. And luckily we are even friends. Hopefully you are coming back to our uh, discussion. I see you running in the, in the kitchen. I have a puppy and the puppy is trying to eat the rug. So I was, no, no problem. I just disappeared. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, you know, for for the ones that they don't know you, I will actually anyway make sure that I will link all the contacts. You are actually working in uh, part of part of your working um, place. It's in one of the most high tech, coolest gym in San Francisco. I would say, and it's kind of a one-to-one coach with a personal trainer, and then it's your it's your activity, and most of the clients. Uh, are actually customers probably that they are in the sport, but as well in the tech as well, right? And me probably, <laughs> that I destroyed the Correct. average part. Correct. There, so I train um, and see patients out of Diakati, which is a private performance training facility that is just, it's really remarkable. The, par- the business owners, Mike and Billy, have really created a great opportunity for um, business owners to collaborate in this big physical space that has everything that you need, Um, you know, lifting platforms, turf, all kinds of equipment, Kaiser equipment. um, And it is a great environment for rebuilding health from all different levels and all different times. So there's personal trainers that see their clients out of there. There's Myself, um, I have an athletic trainer that works with me there. Uh, And then there's a couple of massage therapists that see clients out of the facility as well. So it's, it really breeds 
comprehensive management of the individual from a movement and a health perspective. So you kind of can utilize a lot of different tools and have access to a lot of different options and care uh, within the facility. So it's really wonderful. I'm very curious, what are the most, the two most common health cases with your customers? I would say for me, probably the two most, most routine um, kind of Uh, injuries and situations I see are either like acute trauma, whether it was on the field. So I work mostly with, with athletes, sports medicine. So I'll see individuals, individuals that um, hurt my, hurt themselves, you know, on the field with practice. And it is a quick injury, um, either non-contact or contact. Um, and then secondly, it would be the kind of overuse, repetitive stress, Um, you know, definitely some tech individuals that their repetitive stress is too much time on the computer. Um, but then a lot of endurance athletes and um, weekend warriors that work hard during the week and then want to play hard on the weekends and, you know, haven't quite figured out that balance of health and recovery and fitness and creating that for perfect equation for them. We were really working together um, to prepare this podcast. And actually, it's very interesting because, like you mentioned, you are training uh, sportives, but as well the tech people. And um, I want to really continue and develop this the stress part. But before that, we decide together to offer to our listeners um, in a very short time, three ways to build a healthy habit that can change their life. And I'm super curious because you didn't share with me more than that. What are those three <laughs> ways to build a healthy habit? Well, I think there's a lot of different ways to do it, but I kind of wanted to build on the principle um, and develop some foundational ways to look at it. Uh, and I think one of the most important things for me is how can individuals build better movement health and day in, day out, How can they prepare their body to be ready for whatever the task is, whether it be uh, a game or a competition uh, of sorts, or whether it's a certain physical um, or athletic goal that they're setting for themselves, um, or even down to the basic daily life of, you know, walking their dog, chasing after their child, um, getting in a quick midday workout, um, being able to easily perform manual labor with their work. Um, and really it's about building durability. And from that perspective, I think one of the biggest things that we can do is all just look intrinsically and see where, where am I at? How well do I feel confident to move? What are my limitations? Where are my boundaries? And what can I start doing to change those and improve those? So the first thing I would say to build a better habit um, around movement, health and fitness is to take daily inventory to sit back, take two minutes every morning and think, how do I feel? Of course, how do you feel mentally? But also more importantly, how do I feel physically? Am I ready for the day? And if I'm not, what are those small, simple things that I can do to prepare myself for the day? You know, if that morning stretch, you've got pain in your shoulder, then, you know, it's a great opportunity to do two or three things to help that shoulder feel better before you start the day. Or if you've got a little bit of low back stiffness in the morning, you know, maybe it's getting out of bed and doing a couple of quick movements on a mat that will help to loosen up your spine. 
builds a little bit more movement before you then start the day. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I advocate to my patients and my athletes is like, know where you're at and know that it's changeable, but, but recognize how you feel and how your body feels and then make small, consistent changes for it to feel better. How important is the stretching part in the morning? So let's, let, let's, I want to stay a little bit to this first part and I really love it because I think it's so important to take this a few moments in the morning and really um, do this inventory. How important is to stretch and what else do you recommend to do when you wake up? I think um, it depends. Some individuals really benefit from a morning stretch routine. Other individuals are already super mobile and they're going to benefit from a morning stability routine. So I think it very much is specific to the individual. In general, I think general stretching and movement, controlled movement is wonderful. And each day, by taking that inventory, you're going to know what should be stretched, what should be stabilized, what should be activated and warmed up, Um, and I think that's one of the things that I try and teach each patient and each athlete is how do you take that inventory? How do you gain a little bit better intuition about what your body needs? What, what niggles do you listen to? Which ones do you ignore? Um, so that you can be building better daily movement health. But in general, I think stretching is wonderful, especially when it's, um, controlled and not excessive and it helps to just promote general movement i'm just have the example of my cat because sometimes it's good to take examples even from from our our puppies or animals and i'm really amazed how all the time when my cat stands up it's stretching so for sure he knows why <laughs> exactly my sweet one-year-old puppy who was eating the rug a couple of minutes ago So Heather, the first one, we already discussed about the daily uh, inventory and I love this topic. What about number two? So number two, I would say is once you've established that daily inventory of what do I, what do I feel? What does my body need? Taking action daily. And I think one of the biggest things that I've seen that really transforms people's um, physical and mental state is around fitness and movement is taking small, subtle, like opportunities to move throughout their day, just kind of low level, regular motion. And I think one of the hardest things that we're all going through with this pandemic is that we're in front of screens all the time. We can't socialize with our friends as easily or family. And so all of a sudden the daily commute is gone. And for a lot of individuals, your daily commute meant you left your house, you went and got a cup of coffee, you walked to the bus, or you walked to, you know, BART or public transportation, or you rode a bike or a scooter, and then you had to walk into the building and you had to walk to your floor. So all of a sudden, as you start your day, even though you're commuting to work, you're hitting like 1,000 to 2,000 steps. And now individuals' daily movement is 50 or 100 steps at most to their workstation because you because you mentioned about the steps just a second Heather I'm very curious what do you think is the minimum I mean I know we are all different we are all some we are more active and less and more but if we can make an average or like a minimum of steps that we need 
no matter of even the age, a minimum steps, how many steps do you recommend to do per day? So I like the the theory of 10,000 steps a day. I think what I like to be more specific with my patients and athletes is how they get those 10,000 steps. So I don't want to argue that that's not a good number, but if you're getting it all at the end of your day after you've been sitting for eight hours and then you try and power walk for five or six miles before bed, I don't think those are useful steps. Um, I like to ask my patients to pull up their, you know, if they're using a smartphone and their or some device and they're tracking their step count, I actually like them to look at the graph and look, how did you get your steps? You know, if they come in and their steps are at 7,500 for the day and it's four o'clock, then we look at how did you get those 7,500 steps and how does it feel to get there? And, you know, for me, I'm blessed with that. I get to move with my patients every day. So I, of course, have my daily commute to get to the facility. And then I'm demonstrating exercise and, and fluidly get to dance and move with my patients. Um, so I have my graph shows like steady, low level movement with little spikes. You know, when I walk my dog, when I do my own workout, when I go for an evening stroll after dinner. And that's what I try and promote for others is to have more fluid, consistent movement throughout their day versus it's seven o'clock. I, I need 4,000 more steps. Let me, you know, go walk. Oh, my hip hurts, but I wanted to get my steps. So I think it's, it, it, it goes back to that first kind of foundational idea of taking inventory and looking, how am I getting to where I'm at? And for somebody with hip pain, I think it's great for them to walk regularly more often. For somebody that has an ankle injury or a knee injury, where that kind of excessive steps or a lot of steps at once might actually be more provocative and more irritable to their injury and what they're managing. So I think it's very specific to the health of the individual and it's very specific to how, um, how they get there. Uh, it's about the journey, it's not about the destination. So if you get your 10,000 steps, but it's at the, you know, at the expense of back pain and hip pain, and then you fall into bed and you're in pain all night and have to take medicine, that those 10,000 steps aren't worth it. I love that. I love how you said it, that it's so important, the journey. And um, because you mentioned even about breaks uh, and you mentioned about how much actually we are spending now sitting. Some, some they are lucky that like you, that you're super active in your work. But the reality is that big part of the people now, they are sitting in front of the Zoom calls. And um, my question to you is how important it is to take breaks and how often do we need to take these breaks each hour or what, how, what do you recommend in these kind of situations when you have eight hours of Zoom calls per day? So I have read and I apologize that I can't cite where I read that this article, but I read a great article that talked about our productivity and that on a single fixed task that you know, the average amount of time that an individual can stay focused is around 20 to 25 minutes. And there's been some philosophies that have developed around that and that, you, you know, take, um, take breaks occasionally so that because you're, you're only able to keep that sustained focus for a period of time anyways. And I like the twice an hour idea of 
you know, if you're having a meeting, a Zoom call or a meeting, or you're working on a fixed task for 20 to 25 minutes, and then you take maybe a five minute just movement break, and then you go back into your task. And obviously that's not always possible if you're in a, in a longer meeting and so on and so forth. And there are definitely distractions by somebody moving around. Um, I demonstrated that earlier. Um, but I think the benefits far outweigh the, you know, the negatives or the distractions associated with it. And it's so much easier to have clear thought and be able to be effective and productive when you're feeling good. So if you're in pain, you're distracted, you're not going to be able to focus on whatever task you're doing regardless. So in general, I would, I try and encourage people to get up every one to one to two times an hour. And even if it's just standing and doing a gentle weight shift, you know, walking around, you know, refilling their water, I usually have a taller water glass, but sometimes I'll keep a shorter one because then I have to fill it up more regularly, which forces me to get up and move more often. How so. much water do you drink per day? Speaking about water. Funny you should ask. Um, we were just talking about this at clinic and I try and drink half my body weight in ounces a day. So around 75 ounces a day is what okay. I'm trying to. That's my goal. My, Jan my January, February goal is to increase my water consumption. And that's, you know, the, an easy equation is however much you weigh take half of that and those are your ounces in pounds this is so important and i believe even when you have like like back pain right this is really helping you you somehow don't um think at the beginning of it but helps so much when you have a back pain right i try and drink warm water in the morning and then i'll switch and drink you know room temperature or colder water in the afternoon and that's just something that i've been experimenting with i find it's easier in the morning for me to drink warm water um just because i want my body to be warmed up and feeling um good and toasty from the inside out so that's something i do and if i have access to lemon or lime i'll put a little bit of that in there um, i know a lot of individuals start their day with tea i'm not a big tea drinker so i just drink good old basic water. Yeah, because especially in the tea, you don't even know what is there unless you are making by your own. So I think it's important, this topic. Uh, because we spoke about uh, how important it is to move. I want to somehow correlate um, the exercise with the mental health. And I want to ask you, um, does sport affect your mental health? I can say specifically for me, absolutely. Um, And I see that with my, with my clients and patients as well. Um, when we're in a good rhythm, and I know for myself, when I'm in a good rhythm of moving and not only figuring out small fitness challenges for myself, that is super important. And it makes me feel like I'm setting goals. Um, the, the endorphins that I get from exercise help to put me in a better state of mind. Um, the accomplishment of whatever task I set for myself, that sense of pride, and all of those things help to promote me to just feel better and feel more capable. Uh, and I think I see that with a lot of individuals when, no matter what their goal is, and I always encourage people to set goals that are realistic, that are time specific, and that are attainable. Uh, and measurable, and no? Easy to measure. To measure. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. 
feeling a sense of accomplishment and pride for whatever that goal is. And I always encourage my patients and athletes to set measurable, realistic, time-oriented goals. And it very much can be individualized to them. And sometimes their goal is to increase their step count. Sometimes their goal is to increase, you know, their deadlift or their squat. And then other times their goals are much more sport specific. Um, but all of this is built on my own experience as an athlete and the profound um, benefits that I feel when I'm exercising regularly, that sense of um, can do, like, you know, setting, setting those intentions, being able to see them through and getting the endorphin rush of stressing my body and pushing my boundaries. Uh, all of that gets me in the right frame, frame of mind for everything else in life. And we see that a lot with our youth, um, youth athletes, uh, that when they can set goals and accomplish them, that kind of learned experience just manifests in all different facets of their life. And they approach things with a more positive attitude. They will seek help, seek help if they need it. And I think all of that really promotes better mental health practice. It's uh, it's so interesting and it's so true, you know, like especially during these days, the reality that is that we have days and days and there are days that they are really challenging due to the fact that we cannot socialize, we cannot meet our friends, we can whatever we, it, it, our life totally change. And um, I have to say that I really had my difficult times too. And actually, even today, it was raining. It was so cold. And I was like, I cannot go out and do sport, even though I just read um, about, I read this study that it's really affecting your mental health in a positive way if you are doing sport. And luckily, my husband was really pushing me to go. And even if it was raining and cold, we were walking for 20 minutes and everything changed. My whole mood changed. I was really happy and I was even much more productive than before. I would agree. One of my favorite things is running in the rain. Uh, but I think setting that goal and then seeing it through and, you know, facing whatever challenges or limitations there are in front of you so that you can at least make an attempt at it. Sometimes it's not always doesn't turn out the way you want it to. But I think part of that is setting the intention and then trying your best to make it happen. Let's move on for the third part, the third way to build healthy habits. What is the third habit or the third way? I of would doing say it? the third way for me is to encourage individuals. You know, we talked about taking inventory. We talked about daily um, habits, daily movement, daily kind of uh, activities of sorts um, and sports. I think the next, the third way is to look and either set a biannual or a quarterly check-in where you can, you know, we go to the dentist twice a year. Why aren't we checking in on our bodies two times or four times a year? I like to promote seasonal wellness checks where every quarter I look at what is my goal for this season and how ready is my body for it and what can I do to make it better. And I think that's one of the most important things is to look and, and have a longer road of, of tasks and goal setting. And that will help to 
continue to build seasonal durability and athletic fitness. And when you mentioned checking, can you develop more this, this, how are we checking that? I think there's a lot of different ways. If you have access to a provider that can help you, you know, build some seasonality around your movement and your activities and help you assess where your body is at and set goals. Or you can do it with your, you know, with your own tools at home and think, okay, summertime, I want to swim and play tennis. Um, how strong are my arms? Uh, how do how do my legs legs feel shuffling and moving direction? Do I feel like I can quickly go, you know, in one avenue and then change course quickly? Um, and, you know, I think there's ways to build basic check-ins. Um, it's always great to work with a professional and they can help with more specific um, testing and goal setting. But, you know, I one of the things that uh, that I've always struggled with is the reactiveness of our industry instead of being proactive and promoting movement health is looking at how can we tackle things, you know, and be prepared versus having to react. I think that's one of the most important things. We spoke about these three three different ways to build a habit. But how often do we need to do that to become a habit? Because this is like, okay, if you do it two, three days, and I remember that I even, um, we discussed about um, uh, how can we make this uh, topic as uh, more, as the most efficient for our listeners. And I said, okay, three days. And you said, three days is nothing. You cannot do anything. You cannot build anything in three days. So Heather, can you please tell me how many days do you think that we need to really build these habits? I would say three weeks. I think three weeks is a good time. It's, it's enough, enough to start to see the effects of the habits and the change. And it's a good kind of demarcation for reassessing. So I'm like three weeks, 21 days. I know that that's popular in nutrition and, and more of um, diet uh, goal setting. And I think that it's a, it's a good set of time instead of days for movement health as well. My last questions, Heather. And I know you have a lot of secrets, but I try to get as many secrets as possible from you uh, today. Uh, I know we are all different, but still, I'm sure that some of us, we have some common situations. And my question is, can you tell me two exercises that you think they are magic for us, especially if we sit too much, um, even the stress that it's on the upper part. What are the two magic exercises for us? I would say, I think the two magic, the two most beneficial daily exercises that I recommend to my patients are a version of the cat cow or kind of moving your spine in that kind of flexion to extension pattern, whether it be doing, you know, cat cow on, on your hands and knees or standing up and doing some pelt tilting, um, so I basically the, the cat cow for the ones that they don't know, um, it's basically you stay on your knees in, in force and you is really similar like what you see on the cat, how the cat is really scrolling and stretching. Exactly. Yep. You're rounding your spine all the way up and then you're arching it. So I think that is a wonderful one. Mm -hmm. And then the second one that I love my patients and athletes to do is it's called opening the books or it's a way that you're lying on your side and you rotate your upper spine and your chest and kind of work through that big rotational capacity on either side. Um, but it's on the internet, you can look up opening, opening the books 
and it's a sideline exercise. And I think that promotes good spine rotation. And really, if you can, if we can get your spine to be healthy, then it's very easy to keep the extremities healthy too. But you kind of think about a tree trunk, that is the core foundation for those branches and the branches are not about the trunk. And I think for us, you know, if we have strong trunks, if we're have good spines that are stable and mobile, then it's easy to build strong arms. And legs. Thank you very much, dear Heather, for this inspiring conversation. I wish you all the best with all the projects and can't wait to have more topics that we can discuss here at How Can I Heal podcast. Regarding you, my dear friend, the one that you are listening now, let's try to build this habit. At the end of the day, we need only three weeks and please text me and let me know how is it for you. For more inspiring interviews, head it over on Spotify, Google Podcast, iTunes, or wherever you are listening now. I have more surprises coming soon. If you like today's show, please share it with your friends, family, or community. I'm Krina, and you've been listening to the podcast How Can I Heal with Krina Okumos.